Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company as we discuss El Camino de Santiago, or the way of St. James. There are 80,000 kilometres of Camino trails across Europe. So, if you walked 30 kilometres a day every day of the year, you'd walk about, I don't know, 11,000 kilometres a year. To walk every step of every trail, you'd be walking for more than seven years. It's worth considering. I can hear people thinking, that's not a bad idea. The Camino is a chance to unwind, and for some people a chance to rewind, to revisit what is important, to convince ourselves that we are worthy. I spoke last week with Tracy Powelski, who talked about enough. We're all trying to convince ourselves we're parent enough, partner enough, child enough, sibling enough cohort enough, enough with enough. All we need is love. And I know it's easier said than done. The Camino is a place where love shines through. Pilgrims become other pilgrims, Camino angel, and pilgrims join Camino families to offer and receive support. It's a place where you can be yourself and find yourself, living simply, loving simply, Well, my guest this week is Rebecca Scott, and I first spoke to Rebecca three years ago, week eight of my podcasts, and I think this week we're up to about 162. We talked about Rebecca and her husband, Patrick, or Paddy, packing up their life in the US and moving to a tiny pueblo in rural Spain to live on the Camino, a small farm. E.B. White, the US writer, who penned books like Charlotte's Web and Stuart Little wrote, just to live in the country is a full-time job. You don't have to do anything. The idle pursuit of making a living is pushed to one side, where it belongs, in favour of living itself a task of such immediacy, variety, beauty and excitement that one is powerless to resist its wild embrace. So much has happened in three years and so much is yet to happen Rebecca's on the line from Maratinos, a block from the Camino Frances. Welcome, Pilgrim. Hello, Dan. That's, that's very, very eloquent of you. <laughs> you know, E.B. White said, it, it, living in the country is a task of such immediacy, variety, beauty and excitement. One is powerless to resist its wild embrace. Is he right? Well, I think he also said that when you live in the country, you're never lacking for something to do. The, the work is endless. There's always something that needs to be done. Um, there is a lot of immediacy. You live very low to the ground. Um, <clears throat> you, you cannot say no to animals that need to be fed. They've, they have a right to, to live. If you don't get out of bed in the morning, they don't eat. Um, so pretty immediate. Um, that and the, the the pilgrims slot right into country life. They 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 need to be fed too. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're they're living animals as well. So um, he's he's right. It, it is a, a great way to live, and it's not exclusively a Camino either. It's yeah that we're surrounded by rural space. Yeah. Let me ask you up front. Do you sometimes wonder what you'd be doing if you stayed in the United States? Yes, I do. And I usually don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about that because 
Oh, and just lately, the thought of being in the United States makes me run screaming in the other direction. <laughs> um, so glad I made the break and I'm not there now. It's heartbreaking to watch it from a distance, um, to be in the middle of it. And I was a, <clears throat> a daily newspaper journalist yeah. while I was there. So it was totally immersed. And I don't know if I could do that now. I just don't think I could deal, it, deal with it. Yeah, I remember you telling me that last time we spoke, you first visited the Camino in 1993. You were a travel journalist, a guest of the tourist office of Spain. Just tell us again, what was the Camino like almost 30 years ago? Oh, well, that's 30 years ago. That sounds so so long ago. I know. It seems like yesterday to me. Well, it's a lot more, a lot more um, country, a lot more um, unpaved roads. The roads that now are asphalt were all dirt. Um, a whole lot fewer bars, restaurants, um, menu del dias were only in bigger towns, uh, no telephones, or there were telephone boxes here and there, and most of them didn't work. Um, there was one woman with a satellite phone. She was Australian, and the thing weighed about 20 pounds. It was <laughs> amazing, but it was an amazing piece of technology. Yeah. Um, and... I think the pilgrims were a bit more close. They were they needed each other more, and the the accommodations were a lot more rough, and the the people had to be a bit more tough and and ready to deal with what was um, given to them rather than um, demand things like tourists do. Mm, mm. And did you get a sense then it would have an enormous impact on your life? Yes, I knew, I knew going in. Yeah. And 93, yeah, I, I was ready for, my, I was in a transition time in my life at that point. And this was a godsend, a way to get away from what was going on at home and um, try something new. That was the first real big um, to, um, real big travel writing gig that I, I did and went to Europe on. So it changed me professionally. After that, I went on and did a whole lot more of these um, trips to different lands and countries. <clears throat> Got me a lot more contacts, taught me a whole new a way to, to be a freelance writer. Um, it's, a, it's a way of life and living that really doesn't exist anymore. Um, but, and, and it wasn't just the Camino, but when I saw this Camino, I saw this weird um, gang of people doing this ancient thing. I was just captured by it. I thought, like, wow, I didn't think it existed anymore. And I got to come and do this myself. I was, I was in love. <laughs> it took me seven years to get back and do it. But um, yeah, I was just blown away by it. You and your partner, Patty or, Patty or Patrick, moved to Spain in 2006. How did you find your tiny Pueblo in Moratinos? Now, that was... I'm not a very organized person in the day-to-day -day way, but this was one of the better, better things I've done organization-wise. Um, we'd been plotting, and um, we didn't know where we wanted to be, but we knew the Caminos. We had both walked them. Um, we had been hospitaleros and found a few villages and places we knew we liked. So I made a kind of a spreadsheet, a checklist um, of things that. We, we had to have and things we, we would like to have in a town. And so we stayed for two week periods as hospitaleros in a different, in a list of places that um, had potential 
to see how we would fit in or if we would be welcome or if this was a place we'd want to be in. And um, Moratinos had a couple living here from Ireland who were kind of hippie. Um, they were trying to open an albergue. So we stopped in to talk to them. And there was, we, I had no memory of, of Moratinos, but um, I think I might have written about this in the book, or maybe mm. it's one of the chapters that got knocked out, um, coming here to, to talk to them, and they weren't home. I mean, we stayed in their ruin for a couple of days, and the people in this town were so welcoming, and the town has this wonderful tr um, tranquility about it. And from there, we realized, you know, this town's got a lot going for it. It's not very pretty, but wow, the people here are so welcoming. And and the, the swallows surround the, the church tower and, and, and hum in the middle of the night, the birds sing. It's a fabulous place. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how I knew. Yeah. And, and, and uh, it was, it was um, Providence is what it was. You know, the reason I'm speaking with you again um, is you have a new book out called A Furnace Full of God. And it's about life in your tiny Pueblo, 2010, the holy year. And we're going to talk through some of that. But when I read George D. Greenier's foreword for the book, he says, this book is a clean arc of tales brought by strangers and told in a night. It's also the theatre of storytelling itself, the hard scrabble village on the Meseta, where pilgrims come to eat and sleep and allow their stories to pool. It's even the story of those who never walk, who cannot walk, who patiently host those who come to recite their dreams and disappear. It's not a bad summary for your book, is it? For, for the pages of oh, A the, Furnace Full of God. That's a great rap. Yeah, George, is a, George is a poet. Yeah, yeah it's so beautiful. Um, yeah. Yes, it is. He should be the one writing books. <laughs> um, but he, he's an academic. He's too busy studying the world to... to kind of poeticize it but yeah he's it, but um that's only a, a minor part of the book and i don't want people to think that this is a book of pilgrim stories it's mostly our story yeah and we tell about some of the the more colorful pilgrims that we have had here or the types of pilgrims but um it says it's not your usual camino book uh you know it's tuesday it must be a zofra now this is about this place and the people who live here um, and the, the movement is over time rather than space. Um, <clears throat> and it's a, it's a many, many years of work. It's been rewritten three times. Uh, it's, it's the best thing I've written. And I'm really quite attached to it. Yeah. And you ought to be because it's absolutely exquisite. The way you have written <laughs> it. No, no, I mean that. It's, it's so beautifully written. You, 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 when you talk about... Well, I'm, I'm, Thank you. <laughs> well, no, but when you talk about going out walking, um, and it's almost like the reader, you can, you can picture yourself being there alongside you. Um, it's, it's so beautiful. One of the reviews I read said, if you've walked the Camino, you'll love this book. If you plan to walk the Camino, you'll love this book. If you like Spain, you'll love this book. If you wonder what it would be like to give everything up and go and live in a foreign country and dedicate your life to helping others, you'll love this book. So I wrote underneath that in my highlighter, I've written, do you see, Rebecca, your life as a form of dedication? 
Uh, yes, I do. Um, I do. I'm I'm a, a Benedictine. I'm a, I belong yeah. to a, a small community, a monastic community, and this is very much a part of the the ministry of a contemplative, or an active contemplative monastic is is um, is hospitality. Yeah, it's sort of like one of the, yeah one of the pillars of Benedictine of the, the vows, and yes, this is very much dedicated to. Uh, I don't, not so much giving back. I don't believe in transactional sort of things. We, we, we're part of the creation of the earth every single day. And it's, it's up to us to be God's hands and feet on the earth. And this, to being here and doing this and doing what we do, if we keep our, keep our focus where it should be, um, we're making the world better. And we're part of saving of the world rather than the destruction of it. And yeah, that's that's dedication there. That's right. For that, sure. That's magic. That same reviewer, Rebecca, says many who walk the Camino dream of doing what Rebecca and Patty have done. The difference is we just dream and dream. They are actually living it. Well, was was the dedication part of the dream, or has this kind of developed as you've come to love the culture and the life that you've discovered in your tiny Pueblo? Well, the, the dedication, yeah, it was part of the dream because I, uh, the, we were living in a rat race and we were working very hard every day. And we we're doing good things for the world and we, were, we are dedicated to, to being good people in this world. But we were going nowhere and we were just feeding the machine. And this seemed to be the only real, real good choice was to, to make a, a really conscious break mm. and come and do this. Thankfully, we had the resources to, to make it happen without, I mean, Patty is kind of a hardcore guy. He used to ask me, you know, if we really want to make a difference, we should be in West Africa or something, helping people stay alive. Um, but I don't, maybe he's right, but we're, we're serving a different audience, I guess. We're yeah. not serving the people who are hungry for food. We're serving people who are hungry for, for in the spirit, who are poor in spirit or who are searching for something bigger than themselves. So it did start back then. It has grown and, and expanded and <clears throat> become more clear with time. I don't want to make myself sound like some kind of mystical saint. Okay? No. Because um, I'm really pretty rough and <laughs> sometimes not always very kind. Um, and I do have um, boundaries and I I do get tired and right at this moment I'm feeling very low and tired low energy so um, I'm certainly not all of these wonderful fabulous things it's been a tough week with with, um, people with entitlement issues and having to um, make some clear boundaries and and, um, I'm feeling a little raw right now (laughs) Because we're very, very human people. I have to make yeah. sure that's very clear. Yeah, and and, and um, I can hear in your voice um, you want to make the point um, that you're not some Mother Teresa or something, you know. No, no, no. no. You know, the, the PR for the book says, Rebecca and Patrick burned out newspaper journalists from the USA and England were captured by the generous spirit they found on the Camino de Santiago. They sold up their American lives and moved to Spain in 2006 
to a town of 20 farmers in the middle of a 500-mile, thousand-year-old pilgrim road. They did their best to catch the ancient rhythms of seed time, harvest, pig stickings, and saints' days. Now, Rebecca, being a musician, I see people from time to time trying to catch rhythms. It can be pretty ungainly, right? What was most Mm -hmm. difficult in making that transition? Uh, The most difficult thing for me was the language. Uh, We studied and studied. We did um, immersion programs in Mexico before. I thought I had a grasp of Spanish, but... No. <laughs> it, and that uh, dealing with builders and people who are clearly, um, they view us as um, lunatic millionaires, you know, we're here to be fleeced. That was really difficult. I was really accustomed to being in charge and <clears throat> knowing what I was about. And um, here I was really very much at the mercy of a lot of people. Yeah. That was a really hard go. And but the, the people in our town are, are wonderful. But um, having to ask for help was a big step. And and now I'm always bothering somebody asking for things. But I've gotten over that, um, that great American independence. You know, you have to do it on your own and yeah. try it yourself. Nah. I got this, we're a family. We're, we, we need each other. As an American, was that humbling for you? Um, well, not even as an American, as a Western person. Right. It is very humbling. Yeah. 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 And yeah, it is very humbling, but it's it's very healthy too. Yeah, sure. It's, it's, much, it's much easier now to live in a place where I can ask for help and not, I don't have to work nearly as hard now. Yeah, yeah. So so I, I asked you after reading that uh, that spiel about your... Your, your change of life, and I said, what was most difficult? Well, what was easiest, do you think? What came most easy to you? Oh, um, I think being present every day, just mm. living this, living it one day at a time, because it's always offering up something beautiful, something mm. transcendent. Mm. And I don't know, I don't believe in magic. I don't think the Camino is magic. There is certainly certainly some juju out there, but um, I think it's because people put it there. I don't think it's it's out of the blue. Um, but it, it 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 is easier to be in the moment here than it is back in the rat race, and easier to remember what it's about and keep your feet on the ground and <clears throat> and stay centered in what is rather than what what's expected of you or what was or the, yesterday's offense or next week's bill that needs to be paid. It's so much easier to remember and stay centered. And I don't know if that's a Camino or Moratinos, or maybe I'm just becoming more mature. But it's, yeah, this is a great place. (laughs) I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. There's a part in the book, whenever I read a book and research it, it's full of highlighters and post-it notes and stuff. I've got this part marked with about six um, asterisks around it. You put, we came here, you said, I love this, this is so beautiful. We came here out of the noise of the United States, the stress of careers in daily journalism. It was a shock, but a welcome one. Like diving into the deep end of the pool on an August afternoon, 
the shock as the water closes around your body, the flash of panic, blue-green chlorine clarity. Eight feet deep in silence, for a wonderful moment, you are a fish. But can I put it to you, floating is easy, swimming constantly not quite so easy. Well, amen to that, brother. <laughs> um, yeah, swimming. But you have to keep moving forward or you yeah. drown. Yeah. Um, and especially when you're down in the deep. So, yeah, it is exhausting. Mm. And But then happily, because we're not working a nine-to-five job now, there's no one standing over us and there's no deadline, um, we can take a nap. <laughs> yeah. It's glorious. <laughs> yeah. um, also, we don't run an albergue. So we don't depend on this for our living, thank God. Uh, because when we've had enough, we can just sh- shut the door and and close down and say we need our own time here. Mm. Sometimes we push it too hard. Um, in winter time now, things have changed since that since the time I wrote about in the book. We don't have so many pilgrims in the summertime because we have an albergue and a hostel here in town now. Um, we get most of our pilgrim traffic at our house in wintertime. And especially when one or two of the albergues along the trail ahead of us closes down for whatever reason, all the pilgrims come here. Um, we don't have room for more than about five or six at the most. And occasionally we get more and they come day after day after day. And it's it just wears on you. You can't, you don't get to sit down and take your nap and there's always somebody talking or um, running the hot water down or you know, whatever the worry is. Yeah, it is exhausting. And occasionally we'll have to get hold of the, the woman who informs pilgrims of what's open and what's closed and tell her, look, we can't take people. We need a few days. And happily, it works pretty well. The, the winter yeah. system works very well. You say in the book you've had a procession of animals come to live with you. It's why you call it that your tiny Pueblo, peaceable kingdom. But not many of the animals live to a ripe old age. Is that part of the reality of living your dream, in adverted commas? Well, I don't think that's part of the reality. I think that's part of the reality of life. You know, there's yeah. a, you, get, you get your appointed number of days and then you're done. Um, life for animals out here is pretty rough. I wouldn't want to be an animal here. Um, we always have this overpopulation of cats over by the, the albergue and the, the restaurant because they feed them and they have all these beautiful kittens. And then they close for the winter and the kittens are, you know, meat for the, the raptors and for the local dogs. And it's mm. very, very sad. Yeah, We can't save them all. Um, but it's it's life, and the people here are very practical and very unsentimental about about all these things. Would you say that Moratinos and, is alive and well as a town? It's alive. It's it's. Um, there's we have more people here now. Um, we even have some young people living here. But it's it's got some problems, and there's there are some problems here, um, and. It's like any other town. We have some people who used to be wonderful, functional parts of the of the town have have joined the the Uber, uber right hand party and have turned against immigrants. Mm. And um, 
I'm an immigrant. And it's that makes life a little difficult. Uh, we don't always have good, good uh, cooperation. I help to run the cultural association here. We're trying to beautify this town a little bit, put in some, yeah. some trees and some plants. Um, <clears throat> make things a little more safe so you don't kill yourself walking down the street. Um, and we don't have a lot of active participation or, or cooperation from our mayor, who is from San Nicolas, the next town over. So um, he doesn't really care for Martinos. <laughs> so it's, it's an ongoing battle of, of bureaucracy. Some the, the bureaucracy, excuse me, the bureaucracy bureaucracy here will drive you absolutely insane. <laughs> That's one of the downsides. The book is about uh, the holy year of 2010. Uh, the PR for the book again says 300,000 pilgrims walked that holy year and Peaceable Kingdom welcomed nuns and bums, Oxford dons, mystics, fugitives, hippies and lunatics, as well as greyhounds, barn cats, roosters and donkeys. Most moved on after a day or two, but some came to stay. What quality do you look for in beings chosen to stay? Uh, we don't always get to choose, do we? Um, <laughs> Great answer. Great answer. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, there's we, the, the place does seem to attract people who, are, who, who need, want a home and you want a family who mm. had a rough background and um, we have this sort of subculture of, of people we call the lost boys. And they're men of many different ages who are on their own and, and are just searching. They've never quite grown up. And it, it's, a, it's, it's a species, really. But the, the people who stay are the people, well, we're, we're kind of on the lookout for somebody like that now. We need someone to, to, to help us here. Um, who is a, an introvert like we are and knows how to be quiet and stay on their end of the house and but you know step up and help when there's when there's a need um, and just be a part of the family without being you know without being too demanding I mean it's, mm. I mean this sounds like the ultimate ultimate person I mean, it sounds like looking for a marriage partner or something yeah but it and the people think the Camino you know, throws up all these wonderful people. Well, yeah, for 30 days um, when you're walking. but And you can walk away from them when they get to be too much. But And they're living in the next room. You know? <laughs> so it's another challenge. We have Patty and I are getting older. Um, and our parts are wearing out. And this is a big place. It needs a lot of, um, a lot of work and a lot of maintenance. And uh, it's, it may be getting too much for us. So these are things we have, we're facing down right now. Um, what's the future of the place, and the, and who who can help us, or do we we really want or need someone here to help us? Yeah. It's f- fundamental questions. And questions I've no doubt you sort of struggle with every day because the questions that would be like a little cloud over your head, you know. In, you wrote about the holy year of 2010. What fascinated you specifically about that year that prompted you to write about it in Furnace Full of God? Well, the the holy year con- concept is very kind of artificial, very man-made. Mm. Um, but the fact that time can be set aside and be made holy 
uh, is is an interesting thing to to contemplate. Not just things, objects, day, you know, days and months and years that can be set aside and made holy. By what? What what makes them holy? What makes them special? Um, these are the things that come to my mind when I'm chopping wood. You know, this um, <laughs> contemplative practice. But um, 2010, it was, it was highly hyped. It's a lot like t- 2021 that we're, we're facing next you know, yeah. facing now. Hype, 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 hype. And all you hear is how many incredible numbers of people are going to be on the Camino and blah, 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 blah. And it did not live up to its hype. There were a lot more people, but it, we dealt with it. But um, the thing that made 2010 pivotal to this, this book is the redemptive power of the Vickery Pro at the end where you can walk for someone who has died. Yeah. Um, and they get the um, the privilege of of your Camino. And in a holy year, you get all the much more pardon for the for the jubilee for the holy year and that was a an important plot device for the book um and so that's the it was a natural <laughs> kind of had to use it for the redemptive power yeah yeah talking about redemptive power pilgrims talk about the maseta being part of their opportunity for renewal and i also about I, I spoke earlier about pilgrims re- renewing and reviewing their lives. Living on the Maseta, do you see people in the throes of that transformation? Oh, yeah. yeah of course you do. Um, I always, when we were part of the Camino chaplaincy, I used to tell people, I, I hear more confessions than any of the priests here. Yeah. I, they get, they've been walking all day in silence or with very, you know, long, 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 long walk with not a lot to occupy their minds but their own minds and by the time they get here and they've come to someone who speaks their language they just unload it's quite remarkable sometimes so um, someone wrote in the no, I'll, I'll just interrupt you because someone wrote in one of their reviews on amazon rebecca's the small town neighbor we should all be striving to be in a worldwide community <laughs> that's a new one to me huh well, well, um, <laughs> I, thought, I thought you know what i thought that was a pretty good rap well, yes, it's a, it's a yeah, shine my halo, guys. You know, <laughs> um, my neighbors, my neighbors here might might argue that with you. <laughs> they might have a few things to say. Um, they're not always accustomed to to um, to empowered women here. It's not always easy. Mm. Um, but no, I I like being a neighbor. I don't like. Like they say in America, a good fence makes a good neighbor. Yeah. One of the great things about this place is that it's got walls all around it and a good front gate. Um, but, no, I I like to help other people out, and I like to know they're there for me when I need help. That's one of the great things about being in a small town that is still a functioning community. I think it's one of the things that America is so deeply missing now is communitas and and having a knowing your neighbor's got your back and you know the names of his children and you'll feed his dog when he's out of town. That means so much. Um, and I, I really like being part of something like that. I think one thing we've brought to this town is a, an appreciation of that where the people here had always just um, taken it for granted and we helped them see just how incredibly special that is. I can tell by the way that you write 
you're a very good <clears throat> listener. And I think hearing and actually listening is one of the joys of pilgrimage. Um, walking alongside someone and, and as you just said, people can walk all day when they get to you and they've, they've just been alone with their own thoughts all day and when they get to you they want to tell, talk about it or they want to open up. And the way that people mm-hmm. open up, and, and the question I have here is it's a true gift, isn't it? A gift to listen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, and it's it's not that hard to listen. You know, you can. What's nice is you can get a lot done while someone's talking to you. If you're you know mm. washing up the dishes or you're yeah. cleaning or something, they can just sit there and have their cup of tea and talk to you, and you can just say yes, yes, and but you know it, it is important to listen, and you know turn off the the devices and the music and. Maybe maybe keep the music on, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it is really important. To, and you all you got to do is shut up and realize that this isn't about me. This is about this person. Let them go. Let them roll. It doesn't cost you a thing, and it can really really help them out a lot. You mentioned earlier that you are a novice in the new Benedictine community in order of dispersed Christian monastics. Uh, the question I wrote underneath that was, do you enjoy delving into the philosophy of your faith? And did you oh, al- always, yeah. well, well, did you always have a desire to learn more or has your life in Spain contributed to a rise in that search for answers? No, I've always been, my family was raised by a very religious family huh. and always been quite interested in comparative religions, how other faiths do things, and um, and how my own faith functions or doesn't function, and what makes it work, and why I stick, stick with it. Why is it so important to me? Yeah. Um, and yet I, living here, is it just gives me a little bit more time to do that, to, to do digging into the, the old ways of doing things, and to, to sort of codify it as becoming part of a monastic um, group. And it also gives me a lot more support in my faith. I was part of the, the local parish here in Maritinas, but um, there's not a whole lot of real spiritual community life here. And uh, that's one of the great benefits I get from the new Benedictines is people they speak English, for one thing. Um, although we do have a, a Spanish sort of division, which I help with a lot. But um, <clears throat> there, and uh, we meet you know, at the same time every week, when we we follow the the same um, series of scriptures and worship together, and we talk to each other, we support each other in prayer, and just talking about what we're dealing with this week. And it's it's very nice little community, and they speak English. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, but I I don't know if I would have gotten involved with them if I was still in the U.S. I don't know. But um, here I I kind of need them more because. They're, they're my English-speaking faith group that helps keep me going. Yeah, that's interesting. That helps keep you going, you just said. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, yes. from time to time, need to find things to keep you going? Of course. Yeah, you, you pour yourself out every day. You've got to fill yourself back up again somehow. 
Um, oh gosh! Or, or what a fa- wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait, now hang on a second. What you just said then was so perfect. That was so perfect. You pour yourself out every day. From time to time, you need to fill yourself up again. Do you do do you pray, yeah. do you pray much and, in your tiny pueblo? Oh, I do. I do all the time. And so that's that's you live and breathe prayer. It's not just you know get down on your knees and talk to God. It's you you live it. You what what you do is prayer. What way? Um, you're very motivated by being a part, be flowing in this spirit of what God is. Um, it's part of being a mystic, I guess, um, or being being a contemplative. Is you you don't just you, prayer is not something you do. Prayer is something you are, and it doesn't mean you don't screw up, but it's a it's a really awesome way to be. It's not even that hard to get there. Mm. Camino is a good place to try and find it too. Now, I ought to declare. Here. Yeah, yeah. I think the Camino gets a lot of gets a lot of credit. Though this is available all over the world. You don't have to come to the Camino to get it. It's 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 here for everybody, no matter where you are. If you do a bit of searching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I ought you, to, I, the Camino gets a lot of credit. I think people just shut up for a little while on the Camino, and they listen, and they can they hear things that are around them all the time, no matter where they are. But that that's the gift of the Camino is that you you stop chattering for a while and you open your ears and you you can hear the music of the spheres. It's all around you. I, I ought to declare here, I have stayed with you at Peaceable Kingdom and it was a magic night. The food and company was amazing, actually. Great conversation. The house guitar got a little workout as well. But I was struck mm-hmm. by how quiet it was, Rebecca. Have you become used to the, <laughs> to the silence? It's so quiet. Oh, yeah, to drive some people up the wall. Yeah, it's extremely quiet here. Um, although sometimes the, the Patty plays music. He's he's getting deaf as he gets older. He puts on some big symphonic thing, and, <laughs> and he sits down in front of his computer and puts his headphones on. <laughs> God help you if the phone rings. You know, forget it. <laughs> I, but uh, the but <clears throat> no, it's, it's extremely quiet here, and we don't have road noise so much. We don't have airplanes flying over, and we have trucks and. With tractors, but dogs barking. But like you said, in the night, it's just dead silent. It's fabulous. I love it. Mm. I think it's great. Mm. I live on this. Um, But I have a sort of Cistercian sort of sensibility. I like things stripped right down, simple. Mm. That's why I like the Meseta. I don't don't need lots of purple mountains, majesties, and um, I like it simple and and severe and and kind of zen, really. You said it's to me, perfect for me. Yeah, it's perfect. You said to me, it might be a bit cold in that room out there, Dan, so I've put an extra couple of blankets on your bed. And I said, oh, thank you, Rebecca. Well, good night, and everybody. And I wandered off to bed, and I climbed under the blankets, and I hadn't actually slept under blankets for like 40 years, or even longer, 45 years. And I was so... Where have you been sleeping, man? Well, well, under dunas and, you know, under duvets and, you know, but sleeping Mm. under blankets 
I was so enveloped by, I had the best night's sleep. I woke up in the morning and thought, oh my gosh, is that what a good night's sleep is like? It was incredible. I had the best night's sleep there. It was lovely. And I'll, I'll never forget that because that to me, a good night's sleep is a significant yeah. thing, I can tell you. But look, we're running out of time. It's early in the morning there. Um, I, I want you to tell us about Peaceable Project. Oh, cool. Yeah, Peaceable Projects is a nonprofit that uh, we founded a couple of years ago. Um, it, it kind of grew up organically. Uh, when I was helping to run the monastery albergue at San Anton over by Castro Jerez, it's a, it's a little very bare-bones albergue mm. in the ruins of a monastery. Um, we, we went to um, clean it up to get it open in the spring, and the mattresses were actually falling to pieces in our hands. They were so old and so rotten. Um, and I realized before we open this place, we need new mattresses. Um, we didn't have any money. So I got online and I asked people to send money for mattresses for San Anton. And I needed, well, like, it cost about 100 euros a piece. I needed 16 of them. And, you know, within 24 hours, I had thousands of euros <laughs> in I thought, holy cow, we've hit, <laughs> hit a nerve here, huh? Uh, yeah. um, and people were rejoicing in giving. They were so excited about giving money for this project. And as I looked around, I saw all these projects all over the Camino, things worn out and being made to, made to serve another year. And I thought, well, why don't we ask about this and this and this? And these are small, low-to-the-ground projects yeah. that could be easily funded. And... It works. It's fabulous. Um, but I, I, my son is a lawyer in the U.S. He told me about my legal exposure. He said, you need to turn yourself into a nonprofit. Um, and so I had him do that. So now when we find a project that needs funding, we can um, move that money without tax consequences and, and with transparency so people know that we're not going to steal their money. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so it, it works out well. I'm not a great administrator i'm much more the, the the vision person and i don't have an administrator to do the job so i have to do it myself this is really hard work for me but um but it's really fun to play santa claus and so i get to say here's your money go and you know get to get the new roof we got it um so it's it's a fun thing for me to do keeps me off the street <laughs> keeps me up the street. It's a win-win. Yeah. Well, I'm going it's a win-win because to... the, the, the Alberga gets the roof. The people in Australia, U.S., Germany, wherever, they get to help out. They get to send their 5 or 10 or $200, and they have a little piece of the Camino. It's wonderful. Yeah, it is wonderful. I'm going to give the, the details uh, for peaceable projects at the end of the interview, but I also wanted to talk to you about an address you delivered at the 2017 gathering of American pilgrims on the Camino in Atlanta, Georgia, oh, yeah. the future of the uh-huh, of yeah. hospitality on the Camino, because it created a few ripples in the Camino pond. You basically said in the 10 years... It sure you, did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The 10 years you'd been on the Camino at that stage, you'd seen the Camino grow exponentially, and you said you can see a day when, quote, Plenty of people will continue to walk, but the Camino Gold Rush may really succeed in killing the goose that lays the golden egg. But it wasn't all doom and gloom, because you said the Camino will not die. 
it will survive consumerism. Now, as you know, being Christian is choosing to live according to the teachings of Jesus Christ. And Christianity, in many ways, has been consumerized and brutalized and corporatized, yet it survived. And here we are talking about the elements mm-hmm. of Christianity and how you like to think that you would like to you know, live your life according to those principles. I certainly like to think that I would too. Perhaps then there's a message for the Camino and a lesson for all of us in that lesson, that if we stay true to the principles of the Camino, then it will always be there for forever. Well, it depends too on what you look at as the Camino. I mean, if they if they pave the entire path and you know put in moving stairways and um, you know have a uh, a cocktail bar every ten kilometers, yeah, well, it's not going to be the same Camino that you and I have loved. It's it's really in your head a lot of it, um, and. You know, we we attach to things that somehow charm us. We we love this this little village or this little house and this priest or this mass or this service or this um, hospitalero, and we fetishize that. But there's something so much bigger than any of this or any of us at work here. Um, it's it's good to remember it, but we also need to fight to keep the the holy alive. Because it will be mm. commodified out of existence if yeah. we let it. Yeah. We don't have an excuse to sit back and let. And this is why I'm also active in this, um, in FIX, this activist group um, that fights against putting the copper mine alongside the, the Camino in Galicia or putting the power lines across the the um, this, the holy mountain where um, there's it's full of standing stones and petroglyphs. And it yeah, we got to fight to keep this a beautiful place for people to walk and not just a way for, a place for people to, to rake money out of tourist pockets. Uh, so it's, it's a balance. Mm. It's a personal thing, but it's also we got to think about the people coming up behind us. Um, what are we going to leave to them? And we've got we to pick up the trash. we got to <laughs> yeah. um, make sure that... that um, it's not commodified to death. Mm-hmm. Well, that, there's a lesson in the wider community right around the world Yes. in all of that. Yes. And we can't be such good guests that we, we let our, our hosts uh, rip people off. Or um, we, I live here, I'm a foreigner, but I can stand up in front of the Spanish government and say, don't do that, that's foolish. We, we can't do this. You're going to kill your, your golden goose here. And of course, they're like, "Go away, sit down, you nasty woman." But um, I, I got to do it, and I do it. And it's part of my job in this world. Yeah, yeah. There's an app now where you can put your name down to get your Compostela. What do you think St. James would have made of all of this, Rebecca? Oh well, he was a fisherman. He didn't. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he even recognize any of this stuff. Um, and it's like, what does this have to do with me? Mm. It, it's really. I don't know. It's. I. I can't even begin to start touching all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But See, if the things that are worthwhile will survive, the things that are, are not, they'll they'll pass away. I think the important things are 
taking time to walk and find for yourself some space and time. Yes. And that's a great gift you can give to yourself. And if you can... Yeah, and letting yourself take it take it as it comes and quite. don't demand that it meet your expectation. Just set your expectation aside and let it offer itself up to you in all its glory and ugliness. Hmm. And the power lines and the, the mattress factories as well as the <laughs> mountains and the, the prairies. Yeah. And it, God lives in the pots and pans and in the power lines just as well as the mountains. So... You know, let it be what it is and let it rise up to meet you. Um, shut off your mind for a little while and see what, what glories there are for you. And perhaps take a little bit of that glory back to, to back home, back to where you come from. Yeah. Well, that glory has been with you all your life. Yeah. It's inside you mm. and you just weren't listening. So it's, it's not like it's only a Camino thing. But the Camino can give you the time and space to listen. That's right. You yeah. just got to keep your ears open. Yeah. It's doable. It's doable. That's what spirituality is about. <laughs> yeah, it's doable. It's doable. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, could, I could talk to you all night. Well, all morning over there. <laughs> I, 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 look, I, I wanted to take this opportunity, Rebecca, to thank you for providing me with shelter two years ago. And to thank you for listening to the many pilgrims and animals who step through the door of Peaceable Kingdom. And congratulations on your new book, A Furnace Full of God. It's not just beautifully written. It's a spiritual diary, a work we can all share. And the pages are full of all our stories. Um, so thank you very much for your time, Rebecca. It's great to speak to you again. I I look forward to seeing you again sooner rather than later. Give my, best, uh, my regards to Paddy. And thank you very much for your time talking to me on my, my podcast. Um, dare well, it's, I, a, it's a privilege. Yeah, dare I say, buen camino. Yeah, buen camino to you and to all our Australian friends. You know how I love those guys. Thanks, Rebecca. So, all the best. Be, Bye-bye now. Be well. Bye-bye. My guest this week is the American writer Rebecca Scott, and you can find her new book, A Furnace Full of God, on Amazon. And you can find Rebecca's charitable work via peaceableprojects.org, peaceableprojects.org. E.B. White, the U.S. writer who penned books like Charlotte's Web and Stuart Little, said, Just to live in the country is a full-time job. You don't have to do anything. The idle pursuit of making a living is pushed to one side where it belongs, in favour of living itself, a task of such immediacy, variety, beauty and excitement that one is powerless to resist its wild embrace. Powerless to resist its wild embrace could quite easily apply to the Camino de Santiago. Powerless to resist its wild embrace. I can hear it calling me every day. I've been playing you a song from my new album to close out the podcast each week. This week it's the title track, Duende. And I remember the first time I heard a flamenco guitar ringing out in a Spanish town square. It was Sahun, not far from Moratinos, where Rebecca and Paddy live. The sound was mesmerizing. You can find the album via my website, danmullinsmusic.com. 
And you can sponsor me too via but patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. Patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. Here's Duende. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Come on.